Amen. This is amazing. Don't we love our pastors? Pastor Adam and Miss Jamie. Guys, guess what? It's October, and it's still Pastor Appreciation Month. So if you haven't had the opportunity to slip up and pat them on the back or slip them a card, I mean, it could contain, you know, something. But anyway, that's, it's, why don't we just show our love for them always? They have, they have labored and, and worked so hard to build uh, this great campus and the other campuses, Mansfield Campus, our online campus, if you're joining us on Again, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we love our pastors. Amen. Can we give it up for them one more time? Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, we've been in this great series, and I am so honored as PA was preparing us and talking with us about uh, this message. It was so great because he said, wow, this is the one I really want to get to preach, and I'm out preaching, so you get to do this one. This is one of my favorites, so I'm loving it. We've been in a series called Signs, where the Bible says our, our key scripture is John 20, 30 through 31. I believe it'll be on the screen. If you have your Bibles today, I would love for you to take out your Bibles, take out your phone with your Bible app, your iPad, whatever, because I think it's so important that we see the Word, that we look at it, and we, it, it's, it's, it's empowering. There's so many little nuances in every scripture in the Word of God that just comes alive. So if you would look with me, our key verse this morning is John 20, 30 through 31. Jesus did many other miraculous signs. I love that it says he did miraculous signs. I am your Savior. I am Lord of all. And every sign pointed to something about his Lordship. So we've been studying in John. We're studying the seven major miracles that are, that are recorded in the book of John, one of the Gospels. We looked at the miraculous turning water into wine. That was our very first sign that we looked at. Jesus is the wine, the bread of life. The miraculous sign number two, healing of the nobleman's son. He is our healer. He did a miraculous healing with the nobleman and son and healing at the pool where he he went to the lame guy that couldn't move and he was the one that went and had that man healed and this morning we get to look at Jesus as feeding the crowd we're going to be looking at John 6 1 through 15 and I love this because Jesus always taught by example Jesus was the master apprentice. He had been an apprentice to learn carpentry, and he taught his disciples. He didn't just say, well, let me tell you, go do this. Do you know what he did? He took them along with him, and he said, watch this. Watch this. Come be a part. Come right here. Stand beside me as I perform this miracle. I want you to see. This, a sign means something that points to. A sign is something that identifies. And he was identifying him, himself to his disciples, to his followers. So let's pick up here. We're going to look at John 6, 1 through 15. We're going to read 15 verses of Scripture. Can you hang with me on that? It's amazing. I love the Word of God. Why don't you read it a little differently today? Why don't you pray as we read and say, God, show me something for my life as we read this passage. Amen. 
John 6, 1 through 15. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up, and saw a great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Then Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough food for each one to even have a bite, even have a chicken McNugget. It would cost eight months' wages. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Hey, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. How far will, we, will that go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, not like Texas in July. And him, the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you today that you would illuminate it to us. You would reveal great truths, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Do you know that this is the only miracle that was recorded in all four of the Gospels? It's the only one. It must have been very important to Jesus and John. John, in the, the, the writer of the Gospel of John, it must have been significant to him that this was important to Jesus because this is, is the only, only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. Let's break it down a minute. Jesus started off in 6.1. It says, Jesus crossed to a far shore. Now, Jesus had just come from seeing miracles, signs and wonders, demons cast out. And it says that Jesus attempted to go to a far, away, a far, far shore. To me, this shows Jesus' humanness. This shows his humanity. He was tired. He was separating himself from the day-to-day -day work. Maybe he wanted to take a little quick vacation, a little holiday. And you know what he did? The next thing it says, it says, then he surrounded himself with his disciples. This was his small group. Yes, shameless plug for small group. He took his small group and he went up on the hill. He was surrounding himself. These were his guys. He had been so busy doing the work. They'd been ministering all over the Galilean area. And he attempted to pull away from the crowds. As he went up on this hill, he surrounded himself with these guys. These were his guys. And then he looks out and he says that 5,000 men had been following them. Can you imagine? 5,000 men. Now, most historians say that we numbered in the Bible according to the household. So that would have been represented 5,000 households, probably 10 to 15,000 people. We have no idea. Can you imagine that just for a minute? 
Look around you. There, there are a few hundred people maybe in here this morning. Five to 15,000 people were following Jesus. Can you imagine what that looked like? And they... Venus or Granberry or somebody, they're out there. They're out there where there's maybe some pasture land because it says he went up on the hill and he made note that, it, that there was some grass there. So he found a grassy place. And then it says he sat with his disciples. These were the men that had witnessed the signs and the wonders and the miracles. These were his guys, amen, his small group. I love it. And so it says that Jesus then saw the crowd. That's significant to me because in that moment, instead of Jesus maybe in his weariness, maybe in his need to pull away, maybe in his need to just be with his small group, it said he saw the crowd. Papa and I lived as missionaries overseas for some years. We lived in Germany for some time. I had a wonderful friend who was my interpreter at that time. She followed us everywhere we went. She was amazing. She would always tease me that how Americans used words. She said, you're so quick to say, oh, I know that person. That's my friend. And she said, you do? Well, do they have any brothers or sisters? Oh, I don't know that. Just know the name. Well, you don't know that person. And she would talk with me because she'd say, in our language, when we say we know someone, there's a word that means to know someone. We see them. We know who they are. You're quick to say, oh, that's my friend. Oh, that's your friend? How long have you? Oh, I met him at the grocery store, but that's my friend. And she would always tease us about you don't have the depth when you use those terminologies. And, but she said to know was to see, to see someone's heart, to see them. And she would always tell me when she would come into a new crowd of people, she would say, they see me, kind of like they get me. You know what I mean? Kind of like, yeah, I can hang with them. They get me. They see me. And Jesus, it says he looked up and he saw them. I believe he saw them. I believe he didn't see just this multitude. You know, you've seen the, the cartoon caricatures when they show a crowd and they just have stick people with no faces and it represents a crowd. I don't think that's what Jesus saw. I think he looked up and he saw them. And he saw their need. He saw their need. What do you see when you see? When you look? When you look at people? What do you see? Do we live in a life that's so fast-paced that we run right past them? I know I do. I know I do. Thank goodness the Lord knew what he was doing when he gave me pop. Because Pop will not walk past any person. You know, I cannot let him go into Walmart to get gum if we're in a hurry, right? Because let me tell you something, he ain't coming out. And I'm like, you know, we had a meeting. You have to speak. It's, you're doing this. Ran in to get gum. I, did, I shared that one time and someone asked me, well, what do you do? Well, you just don't ask Pop to go in Walmart when you need gum and you're running late. Because he can't do it. He is going to meet and greet. He will know everyone's name before he leaves Walmart and will have them signed up for a small group. That's how he acts. So I believe that Jesus looked out and saw this crowd. And I, I believe he was moved. And Jesus immediately said, Philip, where shall we buy food for these people to eat? He immediately saw. I don't think they were running around going, it's lunchtime. It's lunchtime. 
They were following him, waiting for a miracle. They were following him, following him, waiting to be healed. Multitudes, multitudes, they were following him. But he looks and he knows. He already sees ahead. Hey, these guys are out here. We're kind of out in the wilderness. They're going to need some food. Right, he saw them, and immediately he took responsibility. He didn't say, oh, that's not my place. I can't help that. They're following me. I was coming out here with my boys. We're just going to sit up on the hill. We, you know, we didn't need any food. He didn't say that. He immediately took responsibility. There was a situation in our life one time, Papa, and I had an amazing young couple that we knew. We lived rural at that time. We lived kind of up, up in the country, away from the major city, which was Baton Rouge. And there was a young couple that we had gotten to know, and they lived way out on some land, some property. We had done their premarital little young couple that's precious. He was a firefighter, and she worked at a dentist's office, but they lived way out. During this time, there had been some rain. We'd had some rainy, you know, well, Louisiana, it always rains. It's always raining in Louisiana. But we had had some major rains, and where these, these kids lived was down some gravel roads still where they had to cross some creek beds and some river beds. And so they started, both started out for work early one morning. He went his way, and she went her way. They'd not been married long. She had a little bitty small compact car. And so she starts out to go to work, and she comes upon one of the places in the road where there was water overflowing the road at a pretty fast pace. And before she knew it, this little bitty small car was swept away about 50 yards over through the water. The water was rushing and it was rising. She didn't know and it swept her away over into where the woods were and she couldn't see the road. She didn't know where the creek was or the, the river was and she was able to get out of this car as it's sinking and climb up on the roof. And she's got her cell phone. Thank goodness for cell phones. She's got her cell phone. She calls her husband. He says, I'll turn around. I'm in my truck. But I was heading to Baton Rouge. It's going to take me a little while. I'll get back. I'm, I'm on my way. Hold tight. And by this time, they'd called 911. And there were res the rescue workers had come. Again, it's rural. They're, they're a volunteer little ragtag team doing the best they can. And so there's the, all the, the, worker, the, the rescue workers come and the little volunteer fire department after it took a few minutes to get everybody. And she's over there 50 yards on top of her car. And they're all standing there on the bank. And I think they're surveying the, the situation. And they're saying, well, if we had some rope, yeah, it might be good to have some rope. You know, maybe if we got a little, little raft or something and we could get to it. So they're thinking of all the ways. And about this time, her husband, the firefighter, he comes driving up in his pickup truck and he throws the door open and he looks at the, he says, what are you doing? And he, they said, well, we're trying. He jerks off his jacket and his boots and, you know, dives in the water to go get his bride. And he rescued her off the top of that car. He took responsibility because he cared. While all the others were still trying to figure out how we're going to do it. He didn't need a plan. He cared. And he took responsibility. The next week, that young, beautiful young woman came driving up in my driveway in a brand new Hummer. He took re responsibility. I think Jesus was training his disciples. Hey, guys, I know you're tired. I know you're ready to get up on this hill and just chill out, maybe slap hands. Wasn't that good? Did you see that demon come out of that guy? Oh, my goodness. Did you see that leg grow back? Oh, my goodness. But they took 
responsibility. Jesus was training them. What do you see? Take responsibility. We care for people's needs just as much as the spectacular. These guys had just come back from seeing all kinds of signs and wonders. And so Jesus looks at Philip, and I love this. The Bible says Philip was from this area. He was native to the area. And, it, and he looks at Philip. This is Philip's moment. This is his neighborhood. Philip might have had a, an aunt... Uh, June that lived down the street that made good pita bread. She might have had an uncle over there that he might have had an uncle that fished. He might know where the Walmart is or the, or the McDonald's or the Chick-fil-A. So Jesus, the Bible says, he asked him. And it says he already knew what he was going to do. But he said to him, hey, Philip, how, what are we going to do about all these people? How, how, what, what can we do? What's in the area? And Philip immediately said, oh, Lord. Y'all ever been there? Hey, Lynn, what you going to do? You going to believe me? Well, now, look, it's just going to take eight months' wages. That's about forty dollars to $50,000 here, $100,000. I don't know how we could do this, Jesus. I see their need, but, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I'm sitting here calculating all this stuff in my brain. What should Philip have said? Philip should have said, Jesus, there's a whole bunch of grass on this hill. I just saw you turn water into wine. Surely you can take, make some bread out of this grass, right? Surely, Jesus, whatever you tell us to do, whatever you tell us to put our hands to, however difficult it may seem, Jesus, I've been walking with you. I've walked with you. You're the bread of life. What do you want us to do in this situation? Come on, amen. Instead of immediately beginning to speak back to Jesus. Jesus, I don't know how you're going to fix this in my life. I don't know. I have no idea. There's this and this and this and this and this. You probably need to listen to some of our phone calls to our friends or our relatives. I just don't know how we're going to get out of this. There's just no way. This was Philip's moment. He was trained for this moment. And he missed it. He missed it. I've missed it. You've missed it. Jesus is with us. Amen. There's been times when we know that Jesus will do it, but the enemy comes to rob our peace. The Bible says Jesus did this only to test him. You know why? Because your faith has to be tested to go the next level. Jesus wasn't testing him because Jesus needed the good grade. He wanted him to know what he could endure. Jesus knew he was going away soon, and he wanted his disciples to know, can you handle this? What will you do? What will you do when you walk upon a man at the pool that can't get in? What will you do? This is the test that Jesus was asking Philip to pass. There are moments our faith has to be tested. You cannot move from this level until you take the test to get ready to go to the next level. This is where we are. You cry out, Lord, use me. Here I am. Wanting to go to the next level. What are we going to do on our faith? Okay, you've got to be tested. Can you handle it right here? He asked that only to test him. There are things in our lives we're going to learn. We're going to learn how to get through disappointment, discouragement, failure, that Jesus is still with us. In our lives, when Papa and I first came in to this wonderful kingdom of God and into Christianity, our lives were a mess. And we came in, and I always say, if I would have known how easy it was to come out of the things of the world 
I say this all the time. Coming out of those things of the world, that lifestyle that held me, I was so excited. We don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. Look at us, Jesus. Oh, we're so good. And then Jesus said, uh-huh. Well, what about that bitterness in your heart? What about that unforgiveness in your heart? What about that offense? What about that person that, that just tests your patience? You know, you know the one. I had a precious one. And I was brand new, and I was just always wanting to be in the presence of God, and it seemed like every turn that person was upset or mad at me. And I'd say, I didn't do anything, Jesus. He'd say, get up, go over there and say you're sorry. Ask her to forgive you. I didn't do anything. Go do it. I'd go and, I think I must have hurt your feelings somehow. Yeah, you did. But you didn't talk to me, but I'm sorry, ask you to forgive me. But I didn't know that Jesus was training Pop and I for living overseas among people who didn't want us there, people who uh, ridiculed us, people who made fun of us, people who didn't throw open the door at Walmart and say, welcome, people that weren't like Chick-fil-A and said, can I serve you? They didn't want us there. But I was being prepared. I was being prepared for that moment. What are you being prepared for this moment? Philip was being prepared. And then I love that Andrew, he, then Andrew goes, hey, here's this little guy. He's got some loaves and fishes. What are we going to do with this little guy that's got the loaves and fishes? I, I love this. John is the only gospel that records there was a little boy. He's the only gospel that records there was a little boy. The rest of them say there was loaves and fishes, but they didn't say there was a little boy. And this little boy, I believe, was the unsung hero. Now, moms, I don't know who prepared that little boy's lunch, but really, she was the hero. I don't know how many times you've gotten up and made a lunch and put the shoes on and got their hair washed and got them all ready to go to school or whatever you have to do, but you prepare, you could be preparing them for a great miracle setup. Amen? There is nothing mundane and nothing Jesus won't use. I don't know about you, but I can't believe that some little Jewish mama didn't come screaming up and saying, what are you doing getting my loaves and fish? I was hitting them with the loaf. I have a picture of that. I think I'm, I'm seeing, seeing the little Jewish mama. Don't take my son's loaves and fishes. That's not what happened. God used that little boy that we didn't even know who he was. And then something miraculous happens. This is my favorite part of this whole passage. Jesus said to his disciples, all right, we've got this loaves and fishes. He said this, have the people sit down. Have the people sit down. He told the disciples. Now, the disciples are having to go out into this crowd, five to 15,000 people, and have them sit down. Go sit down, he said. And... I don't know about you, but I would have been the one that would have said, hey, um, like, I have a really good idea. Like, I'm really good at bread. And, like, I could probably hand out the bread. I would love to see that bread get handed out. I, you know, and I'm really good with fish. And so I think that sit down. Jesus said, have them sit down. He told his disciples to tell them to sit down. Well, I'll sit down if he tells me. No. Jesus imparted to his disciples. He said, sit down. But you know what? I have a better idea. Maybe if we stood everybody up and we put all the kids over here, everybody from, you know, I work with figures and I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm a manager. I kind of know what to do better here. Jesus said, tell them to sit down. Have them sit down. 
And then the most interesting thing I love about that, because he goes on to say, those that sat down had all they wanted to eat. It is a kingdom principle. There's order in Jesus' kingdom. He has established it. Jesus has given it to us, his followers, his disciples. And he said, have them sit down. And then the great miracle. With what little you have, Jesus can feed the multitudes. I don't know what you have today. I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know if you walk in, walked in here this morning and said, I have nothing to give. I talk to people all the time that say, I have nothing to give, nothing left to give. Our Jesus will take whatever you have, and he will use it to grow his kingdom. Jesus thanked the Father for this bread, for these loaves. says he told him to sit down. He thanked the Lord for it, and then he sent out the disciples, and they spread those loaves and fishes. We, we believe that probably the prayer that Jesus prayed was the prayer that all Jewish people prayed right before a meal, and that was, blessed is the one that makes us holy and brings forth bread from the earth. Jesus can bring forth bread from the earth. The miracle of the manna in the wilderness when the Israelites wandered, and it said manna, bread, a type of bread would fall fresh every morning for them to eat. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. He will take whatever you have. When Papa and I moved overseas, we're getting ready to go overseas. And some years before this, we were reminded of some years before this when we were brand new in the Lord. And we had gone to a meeting. We didn't even know what type of meeting we were at but we went to a meeting we'd never heard of a word of knowledge or, or a prophetic word but we'd walked into this meeting and this man pulls us out of the crowd and at that time pop worked for uh, a chemical com company I was I worked at a school and this man pulls pop out pop and I out and he says I see you working diligently every day you go in a gate back and forth every day with your tools and that's what pop did and he said but I hear the word of the Lord say you will no longer this will come to an end and you will work for me and your provision will be from my hand to your mouth see Jesus has provision from his hand to your mouth and there's times even when you may not see it you may not know it's coming but I'm here to tell you it's coming it's on the way we served overseas and there were many many times when we would say Jesus we don't have a penny left and we would get a phone call from our missions agency back home, someone just gave $200 to your mission. Thank you, Lord. We're going to buy some groceries. We will make it another week. From his hand to our mouth. When God wants to do something wonderful, he begins with a difficulty. Because he can't get the glory, right? Unless it's been difficult. Come on, you're walking through some difficult things here today. Good, you're in line for a miracle. You're in, in line for a multiplication. But when he wants to do something very, very wonderful, he begins with an impossibility. It's impossible. And Jesus loves to show up. He loved to show up when Lazarus had long been in that tomb, right? Why didn't you heal him, Jesus? Because I'm going to do something greater. Watch this. Come out. Come forth. And he did. And then he filled 12 baskets. Why 12 baskets? Why was that significant? It said whatever was left over, they gathered it up. And it filled 12 baskets because there were 12 disciples who had done the work. 
There were 12 ministers who had gone out and given their lives and followed Jesus and fed the crowd. I'm here to tell you that there's nothing you don't do that for Jesus that he doesn't give back to you. There's no lack. There's no lack as you go and you There's no fear. I think sometimes we hold things so close. God, I, can't, I see that need, but I can't help it because I need this for me. I need this for my 501. I need this for my retirement. Jesus says, if you let it go, you're, you're going to be amazed at what comes back. Amen? You're going to be amazed. These guys had 12 baskets full. And then the ending scripture there, it says, then after they fed the 5,000, the day was coming to an end. And it said, Jesus saw that they were about to try to make him king by force. Now, why is that significant? And it says, and Jesus ran away, got away from it quickly, because Jesus knew that he was not to become an earthly king. The Jews were waiting for a savior who they thought would overthrow the Roman government. Come on, somebody. He thought, they thought this would be a military thing, a governmental thing. And Jesus came through and said, come on, I'm showing you how my kingdom works. My, this is how my kingdom works. I'm going to die so you can live. I'm not marching in to slay the Roman government. I've got another way. Jesus knew his purpose. Do you know your purpose? Never yield to the desires of the people. Jesus knew he couldn't yield to the desires of the people, but rather to the desires of God. You know, I've seen it time and time again. Just when you start to leave the old life and you begin to step out into purpose and destiny, you begin to get your life cleaned up and you begin to start being faithful at home and you start raising your family and you start coming into God's kingdom. Here I am, Lord. What happens? People rise up and want to make you king. I can tell you when I came out of the world and started serving Jesus, every old relationship that I had ever had found my phone number. Hey, guess where we're going next weekend? You coming? No, I've got purpose. You know, I, you know, I broke up with you a couple of years ago, but I've really been thinking about you. No, I've got purpose. Has it happened to you? Pop came out of singing in a rock band, living for Jesus, leading worship. Every rock band in the South, decided they needed Pop McCain to be their lead singer right as they went to make a new album. Get behind me. It says Jesus ran away because he knew his purpose. If you don't know your purpose, you will let people choose one for you. I have a quote here from a commentary, Billy Graham. He says, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Even on Palm Sunday, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a humble donkey. He didn't come in on a majestic white horse to overthrow the government. He came in humble as a servant because he knew he had to give his life. He knew that he could never have opened the resurrection door through, through conquering as a conquering emperor. But he came through as a different type of king.
the king of all creation. He knew he had to die so we could live. What are we trying to do from an earthly perspective that can only be done by a heavenly sacrifice? What are we trying to do from an earthly mindset? And it can only be done through the sacrifice of heaven. Amen. So as we close today, our life lessons, let me just capitalize what we've been talking about. Life lesson number one is ministry is about caring for people. Jesus saw them. Who do you see today? Matthew 18, 12 through 13 says, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? I've been that one. And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Let me tell you something. We have amazing small group leaders here at Hill City. I'm going to talk about that again. And they are volunteers. They all work full-time jobs, raise their children, and they are small group leaders. They take the calls of people who are hurting. They take the calls of the people who need them. Just this past week, two of our older single ladies who live alone, separate incidents, both of them had their cars break down. And do you know who they called? They called their small group. They called their church. And within minutes, people showed up to help them because ministry is about caring for people. Can I get an amen? Ministry is about caring for people. Yes, it's amazing, the miracles and the signs and, the, and great messages. We love this. And growing in classes. But ministry is about caring for people. The second life lesson that we're getting ready to, as we take away, your spiritual growth must be tested. I'm sorry. It has to be tested. But the test is for you. The test is for you. It's not pass or fail. It's a training test. It's on-the-job training because you need this training. This is one of my favorite, not favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. It's James 1, 2 through 4, and it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, it's on the screen. When you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Do you want to be mature? You're going to be tested. You're going to go through some things. But it's because he's preparing you for greater things to come. Number three, Jesus can work a miracle with what little you have. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Because, as the old Bible children's song says, when I am weak, he is strong. I can tell you, my life has been filled with Jesus working a miracle with what little I have. I have attempted to live a life 
because I brought to him my brokenness and I watched him exchange it for his life. I brought him every mistake and what little I had. When I came into the kingdom, Lord, I'm this single mom, got this little boy that's going to be this great pastor. What am I going to do? All I have to give you is a mess. And Jesus said, come on, I'll take it. And he began to multiply that life that we submitted to him. As you can see, he's multiplied it. He's multiplied that life of surrender where we said, Jesus, what little I have, I give to you. I don't know what you have today. I don't know what's in your hands. I don't know if you feel like you have a lot to give or a little to give. It doesn't matter. Jesus wants to use it because it's not for you. I tell them this all the time in Grow. You've heard me say this. It's not a gift until it's given. So whatever you have, when it's given, it's multiplied, and it's left over, and there's plenty. There's plenty. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today, and I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469-606-2684? And uh, we want to respond and again, just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus. Don't forget, next week we are here again, same place, same time, 9 o'clock and 11. And until then, we hope you have an amazing week.